Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. Halloween Day, 2021. We've uh, been a little bit of a we've had a lot of Halloween talk because we recorded a Halloween episode and then we talked about Halloween costumes mm-hmm. on the Back to the Future episode, and here we are on Halloween Day. I made you get up early. And you were surely out at a Halloween party last night because you're not a dad doing fun, cool stuff. Yeah. Tell me about it. That was good. That was good. It was a fun uh, Halloween party. Went to this um, kind of this bookstore in Williamsburg for this uh, Halloween party. And it was good. It was good Halloween vibes. Fun. Um, yeah, I've never been in a bookstore for a party, let alone a Halloween party. And I will recommend it for Halloween parties. A bookstore is a really nice, uh, really nice vibe. Really nice kind of... Um, kind of historic bookstores can get spooky quickly in a nice uh, way oh. so it was uh it was fun but um they had a ouija board in the basement which i pl- i uh asked the question to for the first time and did it with my friend mark and uh for the I've, first time ever you I, played with a ouija board yeah i never i've never messed with one before i've never come up you've been too scared yeah yeah i mean it's just like it's like i don't want it's like it it, it wasn't like you know i had a ouija board under my nose for my entire life and was just like no 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 i rarely came across them but the few times that i did i was like uh you know what i'll pass um (laughs) but you've messed with the ouija board prominently i have i I think i like i i think i like asked for a ouija board oh wow a christmas or a birthday or something like that what what turned you on to ouija I just needed to, you know, get some answers in life. So I, it seemed as a kid like a viable option. It is a, it's, you know, I had the, I had the magic eight ball, but that only yeah. could give me answers to so many things. It couldn't be like hyper specific. And yeah. so I had, to, I had to get a Ouija board. Did you have the, the so did, did, what was your satisfaction with the Ouija board? Did you like, uh, did it work? Did you get answers? I, I think I got it at a young enough age that it was working for me. I mean, yeah. what a bizarre thing. Thing. Yes, it did is. Did it work? <laughs> did it did it quote unquote work for so, you? So the, the, the so the question that we got, Mark and I asked, um, are we going to have a happy Halloween? We wanted to keep it light, so we're like, but we asked Satan, <laughs> okay? So we asked Satan, are we going to have a happy Halloween? And then Mark and I were looking, at, and there's a lot of people around, and Mark and I were looking at each other, like Mark and I were having eye contact. We weren't looking at the like reader thing. And the reader started moving and it was the type of thing where like, as we were looking at each other, it was like, oh, you're, you're pushing this. And it's like, no, like you're pulling this. And it was like the cliche, like, wait, get the fuck out of here. And it was like moving, which was like a really cool experience. Like that experience was very cool. Um, the answer we got was like, um, it was like cup to Q. And then everyone was like, oh, up to you. It's up to you, you know? And so I was like, it's like, okay, I can buy that. But at the same time, it's like that same sort of like bending whatever answer into like something that's uh, coherent that I feel like a lot of uh, sort of um, kind of uh, 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 spiritual readings and that kind of world can can result in. But it was fun. The, honestly, the sensation of like moving the reader and, and like not moving like – not intentionally moving the reader and it moving was like pretty cool and thrilling. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, there was, um, it, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. I think if you do it enough, you start to like understand that consciously or subconsciously, uh, you, you or your partner is 
most likely moving the Ouija reader. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I remember being pretty blown away by it as a kid, you know, in like the first dozen times or so I would ask. <laughs> yeah. I thought like I was really connecting. <laughs> With another with another frequency, so of course, of course, and you were doing this with friends with other people because you can't do it solo. You need to at least two people. I did both my hands, one on either side. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. That's oh, okay. Right. I was I was like, damn, you were <laughs> really like consulting this thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> Word, yeah. This was like a borderline religious. Uh, it was like prayer. Um, I was like getting answers to like homework from it, dude. That, that is the funny part of it because this was like a brand new Ouija board. Like I literally took the plastic off the box to open it. And like, and so this is like a 2021 Ouija like copy and like that, the example questions on the back, it's funny how they distance themselves from like any occult association where it's just like the answers on the back are like, it's like, you can ask it questions like, will I ace my, this history test? And like, does this boy like me? Why? And it's like very innocent, like childlike uh, questions. And I'm like, this is not, I mean, I guess that is like a genre of, and maybe it's like the target market for the purchasers. It's of probably it. the target market. I mean, yeah. The, as I'm, like as I'm saying, like I would like it, like, I would like it to be like, I find success in life, success in life. And also just like, uh, Satan, are you here? You know, like the, the kind of like, uh, the spooky side of, of Ouija. Um, because I assume Ouija is in like, is in like the board game section. It's gotta be. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's like weird when you hear like they're making like, oh, they made a Battleship movie or they're making a Candyland movie, but they made a Ouija movie and it's like a horror movie. And it's just like Ouija is like needs its own section because um, it's just a, the a target. Yeah. It's on aisle. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because supernatural. It, yeah. Supernatural uh, <laughs> pastimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was fun. But you had a, it sounds like you had a nice uh, familial uh, evening. Well, I'm in Europe. There's right. not really Halloween here. I gotta say, oh, this is chalk this up to my lack of worldliness. I did not, uh, I did not know this. I mean, it's definitely coming. There's definitely like more. Like you can like you know, you see some like Halloween themed like candy at the grocery store. Um, and I'm sure if I was you know young and cool, like I could find a Halloween party if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But it's not the circus you find in the United States. Got it. Um, Got it. I don't think there'll be anyone knocking at my door tonight looking for candy. Uh, there aren't a million adorable kids running around in costumes. I even went to look for uh, for a costume for my kid and kind of didn't have luck. Granted, I looked yesterday, so I was a little bit late. But, but still, yeah, that's um, wild. Yeah, dude. So, so not not a huge thing here. Interesting. Okay. So I, I yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I can't once once. Uh, my kid is a little bit more sentient. I mean, I can't let him grow up in a world without Halloween. You know? Yeah, have to get back to the states. It is a uh, it is a um, pillar of nostalgia and like reference. Oh, yeah. Like it's truly, it's like, I mean, I mean, the holidays in general are like are like uh, very fertile nostalgic territory. But it's, I mean, it's way. I mean, I mean, maybe right behind Christmas for me for like ground zero, like the most nostalgic time oh yeah dude yeah oh yeah and it's also like kind of the first time you're like you're kind of on your own you know you're having like yeah. your own interactions outside of your like you know small circle and you're yes. like sort of I, at least i was sort of you know let loose on halloween m- more so than i would be in a normal time yes 
That's a great point. I I mean, extremely fond, fond, fond memories of like elementary, like late elementary school, mid to late elementary school trick or treating with friends where it's like, you know, we no longer like needed the parents. Uh, God, cutting through backyards. But, yeah, that was good. But uh, dude, we're not. Uh, this is going to be way after Halloween. I'm just yeah. realizing now. <laughs> yes. So maybe we're going a little bit too deep. In no, Halloween, I mean, uh, I mean, content. <laughs> What we are should you be talking. Do? We should be preemptively uh, reminiscing about Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. God, truly the most nostalgic. Um, turkey, turkey. Uh, uh, I can't uh, do it. I can't pretend it's Thanksgiving right now. But uh, we should talk about a yam good time in one of the upcoming episodes. All right. and reflect on that. <laughs> um, all right, we'll get to it. Uh, lead us, lead us. Yes, you're and, the host today. Uh, what are we trying to do here? We're attempting to look back at a past year in film and retroactively crown a best picture for that given year. But we're not looking for the best movie or the best or the most important film. But we're attempting to find the film that has endured over time and squarely placed itself into the zeitgeist of a given year. Along the way, we hope to rediscover some old movies, discover hidden gems, all the while trying to glean something about time passing, culture evolving, or whatever. Um, today, we are doing 1996, uh, which to me is like uh, uh, when we kind of landed on it or when I hear 1996, that seems like a very nondescript year. It took me... Uh, it took a little bit of, uh, I mean, not a little bit. The second I Googled it, it was, it was, it revealed itself as extremely fruitful. But 1996, I feel like gets 97 as like Titanic, uh, and 95 as like Toy Story. So like to me, 96 is kind of this like in between year. Um, and looking at it, it is, it is, and we've talked about this before. I think with 94, it's like there, I, I without doing much work, I've seen. Uh, nine out of the top 10 movies of this year uh, just from like being a kid in this time it's chocked full it's chocked full this was actually a recommendation of my brother very casually just saying like you guys should do 96 and I opened it up on the old letterbox and I was like oh shit yeah let's yeah. do 96 yeah yeah um, just to kind of set the table a little bit so the top 10 highest grossing films worldwide uh, in 1996 counting down from 10 are Space Jam Jerry Maguire, The Nutty Professor, Ransom, 101 Dalmatians, the live action uh, remake, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, the, the Rock, Mission Impossible, Twister, and at number one, Independence Day. Um, the uh, In the film festival circuit, the winner of the 1996 Golden Lion was Michael Collins by Neil Jordan. That's a uh, Liam Neeson film. Um, the Golden Bear went to Sense and Sensibility by Ang Lee, a movie that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And then The Palm Dwar went to Secrets and Lies by Mike Lee. Uh, the Best Picture winner from this year was The English Patient. Uh, Anthony Mingella won uh, Best Director for uh, The English Patient. Uh, Jeffrey Rush got Best Leading Actor for Shine. And Leading Actress went to Frances McDormand for Fargo. Um English patient won the uh, sorry. English patient won the most awards with nine, and Fargo uh, won the second most with two. So it was a, a pretty disparate year, um, but kind of critically recognized films, kind of with the Academy Awards, were English patient, Fargo, Shine, Evita, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, Hamlet, uh, and then uh, the rest are kind of scattered technical awards. Max, just like at a glance, uh, I mean, it, it bodes saying so. Nineteen ninety six, we're both nine this year uh which is 
I mean, I mean, maybe the age that one comes into being a sponge for culture and movies, um, and hence, like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think of like the like video rental place when I think of all of these movies, like renting these movies, seeing these movies on the shelves. Um, there are there are a lot of movies as I was going through 1996 that I only that I still haven't seen that I only know as VHS like sleeves. Yeah. You know, like I remember going to Blockbuster and like seeing like Multiplicity, for example. Yes, yes, yes. That I somehow like yes. I have no idea what this movie's about. Yes. Maybe some guy getting cloned a bunch of times, I would guess, based on the poster. Yes. But somehow I like I'm like, yes, I know that movie, but only uh, sitting on the shelves of Blockbuster, never because I've seen it. I the I didn't see the ca- like the cable guy uh, it, for a long time until after like in, for years after. But I the the poster for Cable Guy is like iconic to me. Like it's like this because it's like for some reason the ca- like I saw it so much like in uh, it, like in the, uh, as a poster in movie theaters and as a poster in video rental places and as a VHS cover and it's like a very unsettling and very iconic cover to me for that. Just it was just like so. Um, the impressions that it, it that it, it got from me to speak in ad language was uh, very very high. So give me a little bit more, um, j- just a tiny bit more texture. What were the five nominees for best picture? In yes, the five nominees were English Patient, Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, and Shine. Um, okay. Yeah. How? What's your degree of familiarity with these uh, with these nominees? Um, I have seen all of these films. Oh, I, no, no, sorry. I have not seen all of these films. I have, let's go into why was this considered good, Okay. but I'm going to be a hypocrite here because I've never seen this movie. I think Uh, you've done this in the past though. I have, and I'm about to do it this time and it's, I think (laughs) even more egregious, but, uh, so let's, let's get into it. Why was this considered good? Max, go off. All right. I have never seen the English patient. Okay. This is my, this is my... (laughs) exact answer as well i've never seen the english patient but i would so in 1996 i don't know i don't know anything about the english patient i mm. think it takes place in world war ii perhaps it's in world war one perhaps it's in a war it's that a war. has nothing to do with the world wars mm-hmm. um looking at the poster um uh ray fine seems to be in it if he, i recall he, he definitely is based on the poster How, he seems to he oh, seems prominent or yeah. weirdly um, just modeling for the poster. Yes. In the film. Yes. The, but this is just a movie that was like in my head in 1996, uh, <laughs> like an adult, a slow, boring adult movie. Yes. And I've never been able to get over that hump. So this is going to double as my blind spot. And the why was this considered good? The reason I'm nominating it for why was this considered good is because in hindsight and what we're trying to trying to, to unearth on this show is how films uh, stand the test of time. Yes. And I would say that like, as far as like being in popular culture, being in the zeitgeist, general popularity, mm-hmm. that this is like, wouldn't even be on like the, the top 25 of this particular year. Yes. Excellent point and completely agree. I mean, it fits right. I mean, Braveheart is the best picture winner right before this. Uh, and, and we could, we, I think said very similar things about Braveheart where it's like this, like no one, I can't remember the last time someone mentioned the English patient to me, not a knock on its quality. Uh, but it just hasn't endured at all. But like the extent and like, because yes. And like, I very much relate to like the age. 
it being an adult boring movie. I remember my memory of this movie was um, my dad. There was like uh, it was like snowing really hard like one week weekday night, and my dad like because it was like blizzarding from work went and he would like go to the movie theater sometimes to like wait out bad traffic and it was like oh dad's gonna be home late he's seen the english patient and i remember and i remember the reason i remember this night is because i was watching an episode of seinfeld that night like a new episode of seinfeld that night and it's the, it was the english patient episode where like elaine i think like doesn't like the english patient and everyone's like yeah, yeah and peterman <laughs> like makes her go back and <laughs> yes and i was like oh this that- is like a movie okay interesting and, and that probably contribute because I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and mm-hmm. that probably also contributed to my my lack of desire to see this movie over the years, just sure. because it was like quasi made fun of. Yeah. And Elaine really wants to see Sack Lunch. Right? That's that, Sack Lunch. God, uh, the movie names in that show are unbeatable. <laughs> Let's not forget Ch- Channel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sack lunch and the family's all like in the sack on the poster yeah very She's good like, don't you want to know how they got in there so <laughs> oh god all right so i uh yeah I, I think that sort of inarguably we have to watch english patient for a deep dive here yeah that's and it's, god uh, i hope it's better than than braveheart i i I think it will be in regards to it, like holding up. And I also uh, a frame of reference that I uh, uh, that I have for English Patient is I've watched this like David Foster Wallace, Charlie Rose interview from like it's from like ninety six, ninety seven, and uh, it, it like English Patient's big at the time. And Charlie Rose like just like out of nowhere is like, "What do you think of English Patient?" And 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 uh, David Foster Wallace is like, are you are you asking me what I think you want you want me to like talk about what I think about English patient? And he's like, yeah. And then David Foster Wallace proceeds to like really eloquently praise it. Uh, and, okay. And so I'm like, okay, all right. He's like, he's like, the desert looks like a body. Um, so I'm 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 it, it, that's gonna be a, a a fascinating deep dive. I'm excited. All right. All right. Um, okay. Category wise, I mean, let's just uh, let's go to maybe. Um, Best bad movie, kind of start out fun. Sure. Okay. So my best bad movie, and this will be the second and final time I nominate a Chris Farley and David Spade movie as my best bad movie, and that is Black Sheep. With I mean, I mean, I I have a different movie, but I'm a great, excellent, excellent choice. I love Black Sheep. I mean, these movies are kind of, they're definitely dumb, or not? They're they're not dumb, but they're just not complex. You know, it's just like a very loose framework uh a very, let's say a very loose frame wire sort of uh teetering around the dynamic between uh Chris Farley and David Spade mm-hmm. but their dynamic is so good like this is the same movie as Tommy Boy yes exactly you know, in so many different ways the at least in like the pacing of it and the tone of it and the characters they play but it's great it's great, and I laugh at it all the time. I, I just rewatched it in September. I chuckled the whole way through it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think I also said this on a previous episode. But like, I just wish that we had more of these movies. I wish this was the Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon of this generation. And I'd watch this. I'd rewatch this type of movie probably twenty times. I'd go to the theater if they had a new movie coming out. Yes, it's just so funny and endearing and yeah 
Uh, 100%. Yes. And I think Black Sheep even more so than, cause Tommy Boy was like the big breakthrough hit. And then Black Sheep was the one that's like, oh, we can just like get these now. Like we can just turn these out. And it is like the one that like is like a little sadder to me. Cause it's like, it hints at like what could have been. Cause like Tommy Boy's like, it's like a singular kind of like thing, like kind of a rival. And Black Sheep is like, oh, this is like hinting at what we could have gotten. And it's like, oh, God. I mean, him falling down the the hill, like, and, he, and then when he grabs onto the, the little, like, weed, he's like, thank you, little plant. Please stay strong. And it breaks. You can I really falling. like when they get they get pulled over with the nitrous oxide that's been running. They're like, we just got to keep it cool. They realize the nitrous oxide's been on for, like, half an hour. Yeah. Also, the bunk bed, uh, bunk bed uh, uh, gag is just choice. It's really funny. It's yeah, great. It's really funny. Pretty fucking funny. Check it out. Love if it. Never seen Black Sheep. What's uh, your best bad movie? Best bad movie is uh, the Leslie Nielsen spoof, uh, Spy Hard. Um, the, did you ever see this movie? I haven't, but I looked at the poster and a very small thumbnail, and I sort of felt like I understood what it was. Yes, yeah, so you know, you, you know exactly what it was. I mean, it's just in the in the vein of the Naked Gun movies. It's it's the Naked Gun of like James Bond uh, movies, and uh, Andy Griffith plays the villain, um, and he has like uh, he uh, 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 has like a fake arm. Um, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's really goofy. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I watched it a shit ton. Uh, I rented it many times, uh, full of of really great gags, uh, and I and I and I loved it. And it's like it's bad. It's like and it's also like a lesser of the like Leslie. It's like not as good as the Naked Guns. Uh, I would say wrongfully accused. If you're gonna go non Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen spoof, uh, wrongfully accused is the way to go. But Spy Hard, I have a soft spot for it. Uh, would say if you're looking for like a fun, funny, you know, kind of just gag a minute, uh, Leslie Nielsen movie, Spy Hard, uh, check it out. Weird Al also does the, um, James Bond esque, like opening, like song for it. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. There's really good. There's some really good comedic gems in this movie. All right. I will, uh, I'll check it out next time. I'm looking for like a warm, fuzzy, uh, 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 movie i don't need to think too hard about yeah yeah it's a it's a good uh it's a good candidate um okay moving right along uh uh best movie you never heard of sure best movie you've never heard of Mm -hmm. i want to ask have i brought up waiting for guffman before uh this category was this one of these films that had like a weird release uh it it is it it has a it has had a it, it is well Weird release, yes. Have you brought it up before peripherally? Because we've always talked. I mean, because the Christopher Guest movies have come up before, but it's always been a different one. Um, Go off. Go off on Waiting for Guffman. Let's hear it. I just, Waiting for Guffman is one of Christopher Guest's, one of the Christopher Guest movies. If you're unfamiliar, uh, what do we have here? Um, uh, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. Uh, mighty, a mighty winds, a mighty wind. Those are kind of the three big ones. Yeah, and then there's Spinal Tap, which is directed by Rob Reiner. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow in the same, in it's somehow the same shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, waiting for Guffman. I get the feeling it's like the smallest budget one. It's sort of like the simplest one. Yeah, is the vibe I've gotten. But I think it's the funniest one. I can get also. behind that. I can get behind that. Yeah. So. 
Uh, How would you pitch it? What What is it about? It's about a um, small town. It's about community theater. It's about like a small, like kind of like small town community theater where like everyone, all the actors, all the people take it super seriously. The 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 most seriously of which is uh, Corky Sinclair is his name. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, and he's like, he's just like putting on this production. And Guffman, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it's like Guffman is the critic who's who's supposedly coming uh, to review the play. And that's, so it's like waiting for Guffman. Um, because they think they're taking it to Broadway. They think they're taking it to Broadway and it's like the most ridiculous play. And it's just, I mean, it's, and it's, it's fucking like, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole Christopher guest crew just like doing their thing. And it's just like, it's so, so good. And like, it is like, it is like uh scrappier than the other movies, which is like, I think like really like lends itself. Cause I'm thinking of, um, what's, um, what's, What's the, 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 the girl's name? Um, I think she's Catherine O'Hare. No. Um, Oh, Polly Park, uh, 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 Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Thank you. Her working, her working at the, she works at like a DQ. Like there's just really nice, like, um, regional, uh, stamps on the movie. And it is like, it's really great. And I, I remember like, like renting this DVD and watching it with my mom and, um, rewinding the part where the guy one of the guy's peripheral characters is talking about uh how he was abducted by aliens and how they probed him she like like it's one of the hardest times i've seen my mom laugh ever like it's <laughs> pretty impressive and uh let me then also just throw a, a more serious movie have you seen pusher no not even heard of pusher okay pusher is nicholas winding reffins no idea if i'm saying that right interesting do interesting you know i'm talking about yeah i do so if you um, you may be more familiar with uh, Drive mm-hmm. or Neon Demon or um, God only God forgives Bronson Bronson only, only God forgives. Uh, so this is his first film. It's set in Denmark. It's, it's it's you know it's really similar to his other films in a lot of ways. Um, it's sort of like a a drug deal gone bad and a, a situation spirals out of control, but. I just want to I just want to shout it out because it's a really strong first film. Um, it's starring Mads Mikkelsen, who I feel like you can consider like an A list star. Of at course, this point absolutely. Um, in, both in Europe and in America, and uh, yeah, it, you just see Refn really like starting to like understand his film grammar and. And if you like those other films we mentioned, it's it's kind of fun to go and watch this first film. Uh, definitely a great great um opening film in your filmography hell yeah i love that it's on the list now um uh my best movie you've never seen is similarly a uh, fantastic and kind of underseen debut is the movie bound have you seen this movie heard of this movie no this is the wachowski's debut um Ooh, okay who went on to do the matrix after this uh they wrote and directed this movie uh, it has Jennifer Tilly in it, uh, Gina Gershon, and Joe Pantoliano are kind of the three leads. Um, it's 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 a really great like crime thriller that's like set in like two separate apartments like next to each other. It's like you can you can feel the leanness of the budget of this movie and how efficient they're being, and it's all script and character. It's a ton of tension, super inventive. Um, uh really really great like like it, it it like the whole thing is um it's really compelling and it's like it, the, the, it, 
it extremely like it watching it now uh knowing what what like the the kind of heights that the 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 Wachowskis reach immediately after this you can see the seeds of the talent uh in this movie it's like really it's cool and it's like again it's like extremely lean so to see that see the talent shine through on a of like a shoe seemingly shoestring budget really brings to light like like the talent that's really like that they're that they're bringing and like that their perspective and their style and their um influences it's it's i highly recommend it it was a really fun watch yeah because they're three years away from making one of the biggest blockbuster films ever with of all time in in 1999 yeah um let me jump in and do you have another best film you've never seen i don't let me let me just jump in because i usually try to squeeze a couple movies that i want to mention but Mm -hmm. um um due to our format yeah cannot be in our top five Mm -hmm. um Hard Eight, Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. Yes, yes, yes. We have talked about this before in our long lost 1997 episode. I forget that, no that that's. Because... I forget that that's lost. <laughs> I. It's like it fucks with my brain that that's lost because like, okay, because like I, I as I came across that I'm like yeah, but we talked about that. That's so fucking crazy. Okay, yes, right, right. I know. I I found that a lot in this episode. Yes, in my research for this episode because there are a few films that straddle the 96, 97 year, you know, whether they came out in film festival in 96 or their proper U S release was in 97, but I'll just bring up, uh, so, but we, so yeah, we have this episode that's lost. Maybe someday we'll redo 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you and I have spoken about heart eight. It has not hit the airwaves. Uh, heart eight is Paul Thomas Anderson's first film. I know that there was a lot of, he was a super young guy. I mean, if you, if he did Magnolia when he, I think he was 29, that means he was 26 <sighs> when he made this film. I mean, got to be younger than that because like, because Bo- he did Boogie Nights in between Heart Eight and Magnolia. Right. Yep. So Boogie Nights was the year after Heart Eight, which right. was 27. Right, right, right. Jesus Christ. 26. What a guy, right? Jesus. But another great example of like, okay, not a perfect film kind of a strange film occasionally maybe a little bit slow but one that he really is able to to uh have some of his style and have some of his his filmmaking sensibility shine through mm-hmm. and i feel like if you were to see this film out of context not knowing that it's made by by a 26 year old of one of the 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 the, the directing masters of our time you would think like hmm i feel like i want to see this guy's next film cool so, w- worth checking out and then one more kind of random debut i want to bring up mm-hmm. is have you seen that thing you do no th- so this is a huge blind this is one of my blind spots okay yeah okay so do you know who directed that thing you do uh tom hanks tom hanks yeah. directed yeah, yeah, yeah. it i think it's like his only film he's directed he did one called larry crown like in 2011 that was kind of uh it didn't it didn't it didn't like really take but um okay yeah i think those are the only two this is a pretty cute movie it's a period piece about a a band that kind of creates a one-hit wonder Mm -hmm. and um but it's like for a directorial debut now i understand if you're tom hanks and it's 1996 you have a lot more resources at your hands than a normal directorial debut would have sure uh, but it's 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 really like a solid 
little film. Um, it's not one of the greatest films of 1996. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really in the zeitgeist that much, but it's a pretty cute movie. Love Steve Zahn in it. Big sure. Steve Zahn fan. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, worth, 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 definitely worth checking out if you've if you've never seen it. I got, I do have to watch it. I have a friend, my buddy Matt is. Uh, it's like one of his all time favorite movies. Like he just like yeah, has like a soft spot for it, and uh, it's it's sneaky. It's got a lot of heart. Yeah, I dig it. And that song from it uh, has been like I've had it stuck in my head uh, many times before. So I'll give it a whirl. I like that recommendation. Um, Cool. Okay, so um, let's see. What so is Blind Spot? We're done with Blind. Like we did Blind Spot with with why was this considered good? Uh, I mean, a double feature that did. I have I have two more Blind Spots. Uh, one of okay. them is that thing you do, uh, which we just okay. said. But my other Blind Spot is uh, Train Spotting, which is huge. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm. Uh, All right. We'll, I, we'll yeah. talk about that more. Definitely. Okay. Cool. Cool. But um, yeah. Also. Um, okay. Let's see. What do we got? Um, just some like I, I kind of want to just like do some talking points. I have a I have one more blind spot. I'm oh, gonna you guess got? Sorry. just knowing your your filmmaking taste. You also haven't seen this, okay? But it's Breaking the Waves by Lars von Trier. Yeah, I've not seen. You know, if you if you like look at imdb ratings or top 10 lists this is one that repeatedly comes up my first um encounters with Lars von Trier uh are antichrist and melancholia um nymphomaniac these films that he's made later in his career and they're mm-hmm. i don't really like them that much you know they're visually stunning but they're like hard watches Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was going through 1996, I feel like this one is worth this one is worth visiting because it's early on in his career. It's sort of like on the heels of the Dogma 95 movement, which we've spoken about on mm-hmm. previous when we when oh we spoke about when we uh, talked about another uh, round, another round, yeah. And uh, I I I resolve to to watch this movie. So if anyone has seen this movie and they're offended that neither of us have seen it. Well, I'm working on it. Cool. Yeah, that wasn't. Uh, I didn't even know that was a blind spot for me. So that's uh, that's good to good to hear and uh, noted. It's on the list now. Um, Give me some talking points. Talking points. I just want to say. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to the kids movies uh, that came out this year. Now, this I, I I'm pretty. I know we're pretty firmly in the in the realm of like because we were kids during this time. These movies seem like the kids movies seem particularly like legendary and classic. Um, but goddamn, I mean, like Kazam, Jingle All the Way, Muppet Treasure Island, Dunstan checks in, and like the, I mean, arguably like the kids' movie of all kids' movies, Space Jam came out this year. Yep. Uh, Matilda, Matilda, Hunchback, Hunchback, Hunchback James all the, and the Giant Peach. Oh my fucking god, James and the Giant Peach, <laughs> opening weekend, Hundred Mile Dalmatians. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they were, and they're like. I mean, great. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, I know it's impossible to divorce from nostalgia, but man, such warm memories from like so many of those movies. Um, yeah. And I feel like we've stumbled across this before where we sort of are like, where were there more kids movies being made? And this has now been funneled to some sort of like streaming right. thing. So like less are hitting the box office. Th- that's what's going on because that's an inordinate amount of, of, yeah, of, of ex- very expensive Hollywood kids movies 
coming out in a single year. It's a good point. I think it does come down to like how, like consumption, like how things are released and consumed now, because it's like, this was like, you know, movies were so singular. Like there was no, like, it was like movies weren't released. They were in a theater for like six months and then after they were away for a while and then they came out on VHS. Like that was very deliberate. And like now there's like a million, you know, there's hundreds of movies that are coming out like all the time. And it's like, so many of them are not being advertised or they're just being like advertised to the hyper specific channel, like target market that needs to see it. So like, we're not aware of the kids movies unless it's like this, like, you know, particularly, you know, great movie that is also good for adults. So I think that's, that's probably largely what it is, is like hyper specified marketing techniques with like an increase in like volume of just like how much is coming out. That's a good take. Um, more talking points banner well we kind of touched upon this but banner year for underappreciated uh slash cult comedies black sheep being one of them uh but i gotta give a huge shout out to kingpin um i fucking i i I saw this movie as a like for my like i don't know 10th 11th birthday we rented it and watched it and since then it has been like not quite dumb and dumber level, but like this movie is so funny. And like, I know it was regarded as like, cause this is the movie that can't, it's like the Farley brothers, the Farley brothers did dumb and dumber Kingpin. And then they did something about Mary. So, you know, they like, th- this is like kind of this weird, like saggy little middle in terms of like returns that they have in this like otherwise crazy trajectory. But this movie is like, and I get it. It's filthy. And it's like, there is like kind of this, um, dirtiness like to the aesthetic of the movie that's like not whereas like dumb and dumber and and something about mary are very colorful and poppy like kingpin's like it feels like color palette is like kind of browns and like uh yeah like ashtray yes it's very ashtray (laughs) this movie so i get that like kind of line yeah it's kind of a line in the ashtray you know um but i mean i mean so many great scenes bill murray's great in it uh woody harrelson's phenomenal uh quaid's great i mean the i mean and there's just like there's truly like yeah there's there's like multiple references from this movie uh that i still uh do and uh just need to give it a shout out because i think it's like still underappreciated um also warren's mentioning that uh cisco and ebert also really loved this movie and were shocked that when it didn't do well so when it didn't win best picture over when it when it didn't win (laughs) best picture um also notable debut this year bottle rocket we had wes anderson uh arriving on the scene um kind of humbly i feel like bottle rocket is like kind of like uh viewed as like kind of like okay there's something good coming uh but but nevertheless yeah, i feel like rush rushmore is more yeah. of his like coming arrival part sure. but you know i don't i don't really like wes anderson there i can say it you okay know, like it's just i i always like really like his movies in like the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. but everything is like so cute that there is a that there's like sort of a uh um like a filter put over it. And then in the end, you don't really connect with the characters and you're kind of like, whatever. That's yes. my opinion about Wes Anderson. I can, I can get behind that. I feel like, um, I mean, Royal Tannenbaum's to me is, uh, is like his, 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 his best, my favorite. And I think it like transcends all of those issues that you just stated. But I feel like progressively, um, with the exception of a couple things, I feel that way that like with each movie that I see of his, I, I, I love the aesthetic, but, um, it gets tough. I like. I always like want to love his movies more than I actually end up loving them. Um, yeah, I hear you. 
Okay, I this category isn't like one of our like uh, kind of tried and true, but we've done it a couple times, and I found a bunch of candidates for it, so I wanted to do it this time. Actor having a great year, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I don't. I didn't uh, prepare for this, but I feel like this is somehow more up your alley. So this can kind of just be like your segment, unless I cool. really see something jump out at me. Sounds good. To us. This is Nick with actor having a great year, nineteen ninety six. Sounder. Can we get like a sounder for? Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Fart sound effect. Okay, I got three actors having a great year this year. Uh, first one in no particular order: Tom Arnold. And I say this because. Tom Arnold, like, you know, we don't hear from him much these days, but he has three movies, The Stupids, Big Bully, and Carpool, which I know to probably the average listener now, they haven't heard of any of those movies, but I rented. Huge movies. Come on. Oh, 1996? Oh, you mean the year The Stupids came out? Um, I rented and watched all three of these movies. Uh, and also, I mean, Tom Arnold is like, you know, had it was had been in uh, True Lies, you know, two years before this. So I think this is very much him riding a wave of, of popularity and, and kind of his peak. Um, uh, other actor having a great year is Leonardo DiCaprio. And, uh, and the reason I say that is obviously Romeo and Julia came out this year, but also Marvin's room came out where he's acting alongside Meryl Streep and, um, 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 Diane Keaton. And, uh, and this is, you know, this is a year before he becomes the Leo, like that we know. Um, and it was just like, it was just informative to me, like kind of scrolling through and seeing that he was in, I knew he was in Romeo and Juliet, but to see that he was in Marvin's room and I know he was acting with De Niro and stuff before this, but to kind of see him in like a movie like Marvin's room, which is like a movie I've barely heard of. And to see the poster, I'm like, oh, this is like, he's, he's you know, with Streep and, and, uh, Keaton, like he was already, he was clearly the, like he was the hot thing. Like he was like, it's like, okay, here's our next big thing. Um, and I just like found that particularly like insightful and kind of like interesting and, and a, a timestamp of this year of like, okay, this, this like Leo kid has got something. Let's see what he can do. And like knowing what he does is, uh, it's fun. Sure. But yeah, I sure. What? But- I feel like he's too, like Leo, like every year is a great year. Uh, yes, you know, yes, It's yes, like yes. too big to, yes. like, to, to to pick this one out as noteworthy. See, I the reason I'm picking out as noteworthy is because this is the last year before he becomes like the household you name. you say this. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, because, okay. yes, obviously it's well, a wash. Two of your, <laughs> two of your, your picks here are <laughs> questionable, but okay. Yeah, the only non-questionable pick for actor having a good year is Tom Arnold. <laughs> Tom Arnold, who is stupid. <laughs> something else. Carpool and Big Bully. All right, well, this has been great actor segment, having man. a great year with, with Nick. <laughs> Back to the show. Oh, for God's sake. Okay, great. Um all right. I mean, we're 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 at uh, we're at, it's just about that time to uh, to get to our to our uh, Mount Rushmore's plus one. Our Mount Rushmore plus one. It's been a while. Once again, these are not the best movies of the year. These are the ones that that have firmly placed themselves in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of 1996 that are sticking uh, that that have the best staying power of 1996. Mm-hmm. And why don't you start us off with your number five? Love it. Okay, at number five, I have Mission Impossible, the original, the first one. Uh, This is partly a personal choice, but removing that, I feel like uh, beside it spawning a a film franchise that is still going as really it's had it's like little dips and stuff, but overall the trajectory of it is they've only gotten better and and they've 
maybe been like the driving force in Tom Cruise's um, audiences, like still loving Tom Cruise and him still being relevant and still being like, oh, Tom Cruise still got it. Tom Cruise is a movie star. Um, and this one like was is iconic. I mean, there's still moments from it, like him dropping from the ceiling and like landing an inch above the floor, him hanging onto the train at the end. Uh, the um, um, uh, what's the other one? Nah. Um, the masks, like it's just all, uh, very iconic. Uh, I, I fully admit that I'm like, you know, really like kind of pushing this one in by like a fingernail, but, uh, uh, I think, I think it, there's a huge argument for it to be, uh, uh, one of the most iconic movies from, from this year. That's like still echoing strongly today. Yeah. I had a hard time. Um, I had a hard time with my, my Mount Rushmore plus one for 1996, because I think also like 2001, I felt like there was a lot of good things that deserve to be my four or my five. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of stuff got, it got kind of nudged off the list. This being one of them, I think the strongest argument for the first mission impossible is, is that it has spawned this, this super profitable, super famous franchise. And the movies are awesome now. Like Mm -hmm. they are, they really are newest movie. The newest mission possibles are fucking like feats of cinema yes and i i don't say that lightly this however i re-watched in preparation for this episode mm. and it is i mean it's super 90s it is like very very dating itself and mm. it's kind of funny it's really outrageous especially like the technology aspects in it mm-hmm. and uh yeah you know it dates itself in in such a unintentional way that i i i ended up leaving it off but Okay. I understand why you have it on there. Okay. Okay. I mean, a concise argument against. It's hard to hard to uh, uh, retort. Uh, uh, deep deep dive territory though. If you haven't seen it in a while, this uh, could be good. I I like owned it on VHS and like it was like worn out. So like I but it has been a long time since I've seen it. So get get checking the check the knock list again. Uh, Max, what do you got for number five? All right, so again, I had a really hard time sort of organizing my like three through eight of of this category, but I I put Independence Day at number five. Cool. Do you have yeah. This anywhere else? It's not on my list, but uh, okay. But I mean, yeah, go off. I mean, I, I'm with. So you. I was sort of like I was sort of um, um, struggling between Twister, Independence Day and Mission Impossible, what mm. to put on this list. And for some reason, I felt like only one of these could make it onto my list. Sure. Um, we already gave, we already gushed over Jan de Bont's speed in our 1995 mm-hmm. episode, right? Four, four. 1994 episode. So good couple years here for Jan de Bont. Um, yeah. Independence Day, I'm going to put up there because it, it's just, it's so 90s in all the, best ways you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hang it, on just like, just just to be clear you're not saying that yandabon directed independence day no i'm saying yandabon directed twister right and i didn't feel bad leaving him off this gotcha. list because gotcha. you gave him so much love yes two years sorry ago. to to yes continue no no thank you for the <laughs> clarification who directed independence day it was uh, uh Ro- roland emmerich roland emmerich yeah exactly yeah. who sort of specializes in these end of the world movies mm-hmm. um it's just like it's just the film is like huge scale concept. Yeah. Right. Insane. It takes place in like so many different cities. It has like 
arguably like 10 main characters right pretty elegantly like weaves their stories in and out of each other Mm -hmm. and um i don't know it's 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 outrageous in a lot of ways but i think yeah i think it 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 stands up well and it's like truly a a a mark of the way blockbusters were in in the mid 90s yes 100 percent. i mean i remember like the event that this movie was uh yeah, and like I like it, and talking about it now, it is like kind of just a classic disaster movie. I mean, that is like the like especially like the nineteen seventies kind of disaster movies. Like that is the model of them. It's like a ensemble cast with like multiple stars, and it's like very spread out over like the scope of it is huge. And it's just like, hey, watch how this disaster affects different like the people in different like uh, uh, of different class levels of different like uh, professions. Like just like watch it how they handle it. Um, yeah. And then fucking, I mean, this is like, this was my introduction to Will Smith. I mean, I guess there was like fresh, fresh, fresh Prince of Bel, Bel Air, but like, this was like when he like, it was like, oh, he's like, I'm a huge Will Smith fan. Like I love Will Smith. Like I will watch anything Will Smith is in. This was that movie. He's probably the headliner of this. Yes, definitely. No question. Yeah. No question. But, but if you, I, I would, I'd venture saying it's been a while since I've seen it. I'd venture to say if you watch total screen time, he wouldn't be far and away. Number one. Yeah. That's a really good call. And that's what is sort of interesting to me about, about it. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really, really good call. Um, yeah, but I feel like a, a lot of cla- like similarly with like classic lines from movies, like they're remembered a certain way. And then when you actually go back and watch the movie, you're like, Oh, the line, like, is like in a place I don't remember it. And it's like also said in a way that I don't remember it. Like it's always like things are remembered in a way that's like warped from how they actually are. Case in point, what was omitted from this episode. Um, (laughs) uh, What's your number four? I have a feeling that our Mount Rushmore plus ones will be uh, similar. Very different. No. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Okay. What's your number four? I got Romeo and Juliet uh, by or William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann at number Uh, number four. We we will talk about this in a second. Cool. What do you got for number four? I have Jerry Maguire as my. Okay, cool. I like this. I. I thought it might be a little shocking. To a little, know. it's a little surprising, but pleasantly, pleasantly. And I'm not usually someone who's like a big romantic comedy kind of guy, mm-hmm. but I fucking love Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire rules. Talk about a great year for uh, a great year for Tom Cruise. That is too. wild. He gets like his action movie, and he gets his like kind of like uh, the, you know what we don't you know we only get now is is Mission. We only get Mission Impossible Tom Cruise, and I don't mean that literally as Mission Impossible, but it's like. In 1996, we get Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, our action star. And then we also get Tom Cruise kind of like, oh, showing this different side of himself. We don't get that different side of Tom Cruise anymore, and we haven't for like two decades. We don't. We don't. And I get I get really mad when people sort of like poo-poo Tom Cruise yeah. as an action star. It's true. We only get him in the Mission Impossible for mm-hmm. him now. But he is really good in this. He's really good in yes. Rain Man. Yes. I think he's really good in Eyes Wide Shut and yes. a handful of other movies. I love but Tom Cruise. This, movie, this is just like, I, I don't know. This might be like... My, this is almost surely my Mount Rushmore of romantic comedies. Would you, would you consider this yeah, romantic comedy? Yes. I mean, it's it, romantic. It's a romantic comedy. I mean, it's a romantic okay. comedy. I mean, like, I mean, you had me at hello. Like, come on. Like, that. I mean, that's all time. That's all time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Renee Zellweger is, is great in it. Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, won an Oscar. He did. His performance he did. in the movie. He's yeah. awesome in yeah. it. Yeah, he's great. And, uh, 
Yeah, dude, Jerry Maguire. That's great. If I have one criticism of it from rewatching it, is that it it was like a half hour too long. Like it, it really like it's it's kind of like a Judd Apatow movie a little bit. Like is not is like less comedic when he gets into like this is forty territory where it's like oh this is like it could be like a half hour chopped out of this. But that's a that's a a, a, a nitpick. Um, it is a, a phenomenal movie. Um, all right, my number three, I have The Rock. Um, okay. I- the rock is omitted from my list. Go. go oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, this to me is, uh, although it has kind of gone, it, it like had a very strong legacy up until like five ish years ago. I feel like I haven't heard the rock discussed as much recently. Um, but I, I I've re I've seen this movie like at multiple like midnight screenings, uh, in recent years. And it is, I mean, there's Terminator two. um, their speed uh the rock is like top five action 90s action movie uh and that's saying a lot and it's like it's best michael bay which like i understand that's not necessarily saying a lot but it's like really great singular style of like of like you're getting your colorful like commercial action sean connery nick cage in one of his best roles so winsome as stanley goodspeed and uh, and it's just like it's just it's just perfect. I mean, but the, the time that Sean Connery's introduced to them breaking in the concept of them breaking into to uh, Alcatraz, uh, uh, Ed Harris as the as the as the uh, villain who like a great villain who you sympathize with and kind of get, which I feel like is kind of rare. Uh, usually in action movies like this, it's like a foreign like stand in who's like just supposed to represent like a foreign uh, threat and you really feel for this uh, ex vet and like the nuclear uh, aspect of it is like really threatening and kind of like sick, like the, the, um, the guy, the guy's skin bubbling in like the, the um, vault uh, with the plutonium uh, early on in the movie is like one of my early memories of like, Oh, this movie's rated R. Um, it's just great. I think. And like the, it's great humor in it. Great character. Uh, which like is omit you know is forgotten about. I feel like in a lot of action movies, I think it's uh, this movie is all time. It's a great big. It's a big sleepover movie. This is how. I oh yes, when I'd be at a sleepover. Hell yes, Let's watch The Rock. <laughs> um, For sure. I feel like this movie. I haven't seen this in a long time, and I don't have that big of opinion on it. I really liked it when I was nine. I mm. remember, but I don't know that it really has had. In my in my world, it's not like I hear a lot of people talking about The Rock. Yeah, and I also feel like Michael Bay, like he like he has some stink now. He that, definitely does. That he puts on The Rock. So, what do you mean that he puts on The Rock? What What are you talking about? I mean, just like if you were like if this was like uh, you know fill in the blank action director that that was revered instead of sort of like shunned. Yes, you'd be like, oh yeah, and then he made The Rock in the '90s, and it would like elevate The Rock and his. Yes, kind of like I got you. Singular focus, crappy movies of the last twenty years has brought the rock down. Yeah, the the, the rock stock has dropped in the zeitgeist. Yes, I'm with you there. Um, worth a uh, potential deep dive candidate. There's a lot here. Um, cool. Yeah, what do you got for number three? Number three, Romeo and Juliet. Excellent. Okay, Oz Lerman. Let's talk. So I st- I stepped on you. I'll let you start. I uh, because you had it as your number four. Correct? I, yes. Uh, this is largely due to its legacy. Uh, I feel like you still hear this movie talked about. Uh, people, it's still a reference point. Uh, and it's also like, it's a great singular movie. I mean, even for Baz Luhrmann. I mean, it's like Baz Luhrmann, like you know, 
I guess Moulin Rouge like ratchets it up maybe a little bit, but like this movie, it's all there. It's like a huge swing. It's so bold and it's gorgeous. Like, and everything about it, the visuals, the dot, obviously the dialogue, but the acting, I mean, um, I mean, I mean, Leo and Claire Danes, like, it's just like, it's just, it's just there. I just love, I love these people and they're beautiful. And like, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to say that like a, um, a, a remake of a Shakespearean tragedy in Shakespearean language makes $150 million. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. The, I feel like this is a movie that everybody who's ever taken a Shakespeare class ends up watching like in class at some point. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, then it just, and then it just ends up sticking with you. You yeah, know, because the it's like searing visuals mm-hmm. and the perform like I guess what I'm saying is probably the first three times I watched this was in like very in English classes. Yeah. And then I, I went to see it um on Valentine's Day a few years ago at, at a theater. Okay. And I was like I was just blown away. I think the str- actually now that we're talking about it, I think the strongest part about it is that Leo and Claire Danes are so young and, yeah. and they have, and, and in a lot of ways we've grown up with them. Mm-hmm. And so to see their young selves, like playing this, this, these roles where they like really lean into the innocence of being young and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, it's really effective. Yes. So I, I think this movie wouldn't be as good if it was two actors that were great in it, but we never really saw again. Um, I think it's really, really effective. The film is really effective because we've seen these two grow up. Yes. Uh, well, well said. Great point. Uh, yes. Completely, completely agree. I, uh... Your two. My two. At two, I have Scream. Um is this on your list? Okay. Well, no, Scream is not on my list. Okay. And uh, I, 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 I feel like I expected Happy Gilmore to end up somewhere on this. No, not no, no. Like I mean, not an Adam Sandler guy. No, I mean, I, I love Adam Sandler, but he's not like. Um, I don't have like the. I mean, Jim Carrey's like the, it fills that spot, and so I mean, Adam Sandler. It's not like a binary thing, but but I mean, I love Happy Gilmore, but it's not like a. It's not that for me. Okay. See, I feel like it's your responsibility as the co-host of the show to make room on these lists for these types of comedies that I'm usually more, more. Wait. So you're saying you don't have happy? You, you don't have? I don't have happy Gilmore. No. But I thought you were going to. No, no, no. I haven't brought it up uh, because I thought you were going to like give it a little bit of love. I, I guess I thought similarly. Um, All right. No, well, but I'm only talk about it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, sorry, Happy Gilmore. You're not in the zeitgeist. You're not on Mount Rushmore plus one. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean. It is what it is. I uh, it is what it is. All right, there we go. Scream, talk. <laughs> uh, scream, scream rules. I mean, I, I mean, what can I say about scream? I mean, it's like uh, uh, even ignoring the reboot that we're getting, um, and even ignoring the sequels that it spawned. <clears throat> it is such a concise, uh, beautiful uh, uh, send up of horror movies, while in and of itself being a really horrifying, scary movie. Uh, is there a more iconic horror scene than Drew Barrymore uh, picking up the phone uh, and answering, do you like scary movies? Um, it's just so well done. I'm trying to think of a movie that it reminds me of where it's just like, it's just 
airtight. It's so savvy with like how it's commenting on itself, but also being genuine. It's so self-aware, but that doesn't dilute any sort of authenticity from it. Uh, and again, it's like genuinely scary. Um, <clears throat> Uh, and also just like an iconic huge hit. Like uh, uh, I felt like this was – I'm very grateful that I didn't accidentally see this movie before I was like 20 because it would have fucked me up. And I have many friends, multiple friends that have like, oh, Scream fucked me up for like a year. Like I had trouble sleeping for like a year because I saw Scream when it came out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just think – I think uh, – and horror is like – you know, it's like – horror is like obviously cliche underrecognized when it comes to like awards and – um, all that, but, uh, this is like one of the, one of the best horror movies of all time. And, uh, also one of the best nineties movies I would say too. And, uh, it's just great. It's like capital E entertainment, get the butt of the popcorn. Let's watch a scary movie. Scream is the top candidate. All right. Wow. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm not a big horror guy. I, I, they scare me, sure. but I also think it's a bit of a, cheap genre maybe those two are kind of connected to each other sure um so i'm not really gonna ever give horror too much love on this show unless it's the psychological horror like sure the shining like sixth sense like mm -hmm. um like uh, exorcist killing of a sacred deer yeah exorcist okay. uh mother like these sort of things that go like more into the psyche and less into the like yeah, thrasher sort of thing. Sure. Um, next Halloween, let's do it. Yeah, it's a it's Halloween twenty twenty two. I'll be here. All right, let's do it. Let's yeah, dream. it's a fun one. <clears throat> it's good. What do you got? Uh, what do you got for number two? All right, number two for me is Train Spotting, which okay. is on your which was on your uh, blind spot. Blind spotting, train spotting. Yes. What do you What do you What What do you What do you know about this movie? I know it's about uh, like heroin addict, like uh, uh, heroin users, either like trying to get clean or just kind of in the throes of addiction. Um, I think, uh, and it's in like I, I forget that it's like some specific region, like it's very regional. It's um, in Scotland. Scotland. William Wallace would be very disappointed with these people in this movie. I mean, isn't this coming out a year after uh, the year after Braveheart? So, but I know exactly. it's like Danny. Bo it's like Daniel. D Danny Boyle's like you know top. I mean, it's his arrival and like uh, it's yeah. his. Yeah, it's his sophomore film. It's uh, I actually rewatched this so I could confirm that it's not on my top five, and I was like, fuck. Wow, it's fucking good. Okay, because I don't really like Danny Boyle. Like, I, okay. it's not like I hate Danny Boyle, but I've just like never really, you know, I, it's sort of like in the Wes Anderson vein. There's like I feel like there's a, a, a filter between me and his characters usually. But sure, yeah, this this is a really good movie. It's the high watermark of his career, in my opinion. Okay, um, the tone is. And we'll talk about tone, I think, a little bit more in a second here. But like the tone is really weird. It's like it's it's dark, it's tragic, but it's also like funny, mm -hmm. and it's really like scuzzy and dirty. But it's kind of like style stylized, stylish. Okay. Also, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it has a really is really watchable, um, and yeah, it, I mean, it evokes a really it evokes something strong in you. you sure. Know? Because it's sad, but it's also like entertaining yeah and it's also like funny so hell yeah it, it kind of straddles this this world pretty good and uh it, it does a great job of like being like painstakingly real at some points and also pain and then also this sort of like dr drug induced haze over the reality 
and then it goes straight into like the surreal at other points okay. like when uh uh ewan mcgregor's uh dropped his last bit of heroin in a disgusting toilet and he dives in after it and he's like in an ocean all of a sudden and so okay. there's some good there's the filmmaking's really strong. You should check this movie out okay. if you've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean it's been on my list forever and uh, this this uh may just be the push that I needed. Uh my baby's yelling in the background in case I can't hear it. Hears that, That's you know. sweet. That's charming. Um cool. I think we have the same number one then. At least I hope we do. Kazam. <laughs> <laughs> undisputed number one undisputed yeah. number one yeah uh you want to start us with fargo or yeah yeah um okay. yeah i mean it's a movie that um it's one of those movies that like uh is like uh, i think remembered as top tier uh but like you rewatch it and you're just like holy shit this movie is perfect uh, it, like Francis McDormand is perfect in it. The tone is perfect. It is perfect Coen Brothers in regards to the the comedic um, like regional tone of it, uh, combined with like kind of shocking gore and uh, melancholy. Um, everything about it is great. It has like three perfect intertwining sort of like worlds in it, which are like Steve Buscemi and uh, I don't know the other actor's name. Um, uh, William H. Macy's character and uh, and Francis McDormand, like all four of those characters are like, I could watch a, a, a like a feature film or a play with just one of those characters as the lead. And it's just about them. And they, they inter, they intersperse and intertwine like so perfectly. Uh, we got Roger Deakin cinematography. It's like, and it's like one of the few movies I can think of that's like white, like, like the, the, the color palette is white, uh, which is like, like it feels like an inverse of like the, the, usually what a crime movie like lighting and color palette is, which is like just a beautiful touch classic soundtrack. It's like this weird, like organy sort of um, bellowing, like Midwestern sort of church, like music. Um, I I love it. I love everything about it. And I love, I love it. I mean, it's like, it's truly like 1995, 1996 Minnesota with their like Camrys and their snow and, um, Normandale and like it's just like it it's just it's really it's just perfect and like the fingerprint of it like it's I can't think of a movie that's like this like it 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 really like yes there's it's the genre but it's also like it's so specific so individual um all time. it is I mean I, I there's not much I can say that hasn't been said about yeah. this movie or that that you haven't said but one thing I was thinking when considering this top five is like if you took out um if if you took this if you took this story and you turned all the white to blackness mm-hmm. and you turned all the characters um into like sort of cliched versions of themselves mm-hmm. so and you set it in like Chicago or like a big city mm-hmm. or something like that so you took out all the charm of the movie you would still have a super compelling mm. crime movie Mm. And then you dump all this other stuff in it and it just makes like sort of like a one of a kind mm. unique style that, yes. that we don't really get from anyone except the Coens. Yes. Very, very well put. That's reminding me of kind of what we were talking about with Sixth Sense where it's like this is like good without this like extra thing. And then we get this all this extra stuff and it's just like, well, this is like a spoil of riches. Like it's just. It is. Yeah. Spoil of riches. Yeah. 
um, phenomenal. Great. Good. Um, so what we we had two we we shared two films in our top. Five. Yeah, we had Romeo and Juliet and Fargo. Man, that that's right. I don't that's like probably the most we've differed before. Um, yeah, kind of wild. Maybe it reflects kind of the 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 length of time. You know, it's been a while since we've done a full year, so um, we're not like calibrated. All right. Well, hopefully we'll recalibrate a little bit. Um, uh, do take we, us out, dude. We're at 110 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna do a special or, uh, hour and 10 minutes. I was gonna do a happy uh, shout out, uh, happy Gilmore segment, but uh, I guess I'll just wait. I'll, 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 no, dude, it didn't make it. You let it go. <laughs> it's not. Move on. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. Never uh, to be spoken about again. All right. No deep dive. <laughs> Hashtag no deep dive. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. Uh, and if you have a moment, enjoy the show, leave us a good review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you agree with us, disagree with us, or have uh, any of your own hot takes on the year of 1996 or any film hot takes in general, send us an email or voicemail. Send us an email or voice memo to the Oscar went to at gmail.com. And if we think you're onto something, we may just play it on an upcoming episode. Also, if you have a film you'd like us to talk about, uh, we will be deep diving into the year of 1996 now uh, in the next four episodes. Um, so if you have a movie from 1996 that uh, you would like us to deep dive into, whether you think it's uh, it's a favorite of yours or a movie that you hate or just kind of this enigmatic um, movie that you're wondering about, uh, shoot us an email and tell us why you love or hate it and we'll consider it for our uh, next deep dive. Um, the English patient will surely be our least listened to episode. That's yes. my feeling right now. Uh, that's gonna I, do it and people are, are going to share exactly our, our sentiment yeah. about it and be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. never seen it. Actually not, now that you say that, maybe, you know, maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, uh, maybe we should play to what, uh, what, what our listeners might, uh, might enjoy. Happy Gilmore much. <laughs> um, great. Well, Max, this has been a GD pleasure, uh, to do a full year with you again. Uh, back on it months later yeah never disappoints um any last words that's it i'm looking forward to these deep dives let's right. get down and dirty love it all right uh see you next time until then the balcony is closed trademark make like a tree get out of here love it